He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hello and welcome to week 33 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm Bobby Donnelly and this week I'm joined by James Richardson. Hey James. Hey Bobby. And uh, joined by Barry O'Hanron. Hey Barry. Hey guys. Alan can't make it with us this week but uh, we'll hope to have him, have him back soon. Um, this week our topic, we're obviously going to be looking back at the PGA Championship which obviously was a fantastic tournament. We're, looking at, we're going to look at the PGA Tour drug policy. It's quite topical at the moment. And then we'll have a look ahead to next weekend's events. But we have a lot to talk about this week, so we, we'll crack on. But before we get into that, um, we actually didn't have a chat about it last week, guys. But you guys had your first round of the Captain's Prize, um, which for people who, I suppose, are Irish golfers, who are non-Irish golfers, that the Captain's Prize is the biggest event in the club golf scene in Ireland. The captain generally puts up a, a range of prizes and it's generally played over 36 holes over two different dates and the best uh, strokes net score so after your handicap is the winner and so it's one of the highlights of the thing and we talked to Tom Lewis earlier in the year and he was talking about how disappointed he was when he started off at the US Open with a par bogey quadruple bogey when he started it and he said he was out of the tournament already after three holes and that interview must have come back to you James a bit did it? Yeah I'm not even sure I got to three holes before the interview had come back to me. You had a bit of a rough start did you? Uh, I did have a rough start yeah and, and the, it, it was a rough day to be fair I think I had a bit of everything I had uh, a two on one hole I had pars I had bogeys double bogeys and a lot worse than that Yeah. yeah. Um, but the yeah like I just didn't have a putter all day. I I, I limped mm. out on so many. I three putted so many. Like I was just looking back because I had a feeling that this conversation would happen, and uh, <laughs> I thought I better have just some stats just to help me out here. But uh, I had thirty-seven putts for it, and I hit nine fairways out of thirteen. That's good fairways. Like, wow! I actually that's don't pro think, level. Yeah, like I actually looking back on it, like it was a horrendous day. It was the worst putting. I've ever had mm. and it was one of the worst rounds I had but actually for the most part tee to green I actually didn't play that badly it was just once That's I got anywhere close to it again you. Like, you know I had I hit a really nice shot just for example hit a nice drive on the third hit a really nice iron which looked absolutely dead on it and just clipped into the bunker left myself right up to the face tried to get out clipped the bunker again stayed in got out three potted you know and ended up with what seven or eight just triple bogey yeah so things like that and yeah it was just just one of those days so, so, so just uh, people will be wondering anyway, what was your net score in the end oh that's a very good question I have yeah your gross is 97 net 82 uh, it's par 71 so our courses going, okay so you're not so I was 11 you're, over. you're not picking up the captain's prize but Barry you're not far off contention are you but like yeah so I mean there's still a day two separate day two competition yeah. as well so James has obviously got a chance of that on the weekend as well I um, think, I, I'm not even a member in Glen and I think I have a better chance that James doesn't win a match <laughs> no just a day two prize a separate oh, single day, yeah, single day competition I'm trying to give him a glimmer of light 
right here. No, no, I've just refocused my attention, which is I took two shots off the handicap a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to keep going. Go again. And it was just one of those yeah. bad days, and you, know, you, didn't even, you didn't even get point one back because it was non-qualifying. Our bunkers got washed out, so oh, the, okay. the the greenside bunkers were in, the, the fairy bunkers were G or yeah, they were um, the ones I found most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I, had a, I had a reasonably good day. Um, I'd net seventy four. Uh, a couple of bad holes, I think a two or three three putts, and then some some nice one putts, you know. So um, I struck my irons very nicely. My driver, if I had James's driver, I would have scored an awful lot better. My mm. driver wasn't great; didn't hit too many fairways. So um, look, I mean, I'm a good bit behind. What's what's leading? Sixty six. Was good score now because. Um, the green, the pins were tucked away in you know the wrong side of the wrong part of the green for the wind yeah. direction, so they were very tough to get to, and there was a slope around all the pins. So um, look, yeah, I'm eight, I'm eight shots back. And are there many people in between you and the lead? There's, I'm tied 25th, so there's a, there's a lot of people to leap over. I need to, I need to okay, shoot a serious round. 33 people you need to leap over, actually. You're tied. I'm tied <laughs> with a few, but they, I mean, they, I, I just, I assume I'm ahead of them already. Yeah. No, I mean, look, the, there, there is a chance, right, because the top, the top few guys are all quite high handicappers, so they're more likely to have a, a bad hole than the lower handicappers are. Um, I'm hoping a little bit of variance will go my way. Do you have a figure in mind that you're looking, you think you'll need rather than your target? That you think I think need? I think I need to get to two under um, in total. So I'm three over. So I need to shoot. I want to shoot five under uh, yeah. this weekend. And that's a reasonable total because two under usually puts you in a really good shape yeah. year after year in our yeah. place. So yeah. anyway, look. There's, so, there's, there's we'll, a couple of very good players though. There is like. Rob, who plays off two, is, is lurking up there, two under already, yeah. or one under already. Yeah. You know, there's there's a few sevens and eights and fives and yeah. cappers that are there, but there is a lot of kind of 17, 18, 19, 20 well, as well. So you just never know. I've no pressure on my shoulders. You know, I can just I can afford to kind of just go go nuts and see what happens. But hopefully, we'll be recounting your winning captain's prize performance. Oh, yeah, or even yeah. if even if we get the long drive the closest to pin, I'd be happy. Yeah. You know, yeah. so hey, they're my prizes. They're the ones I'm targeting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, James will hit the longest drive, and you'll probably roar it past and just nip it off him. You know, that'll just just yeah, that hasn't that didn't happen a couple of years ago. I won the long drive a few you years did, ago, yeah. and I stunk it nearest the pin the following year. So yeah, that's when James did play golf. <laughs> okay, that's harsh. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's move on anyway. Um, actually, before we do, sorry, one one last thing. We've sent a survey out to um, all our followers on Twitter. And we got a fabulous response, um, but we're still getting responses coming in just by the nature of things. So for everyone that's responded, thank you very much. And we're still working through the feedback. Uh, anyone that would like to give us some feedback and like to undertake the survey, but don't follow us on Twitter. If you send us an email at goodtalkspoiled.gmail.com. So that's goodtalkspoiled.gmail.com. We will, um, we will, we will send it back to you and we're really looking for feedback to try and improve the overall listener experience. And for anyone that didn't see it on Twitter, we're going to post it up this evening again. So that, uh, yeah, you know, we appreciate the feedback and we hope to relate the feedback or relay the feedback, I should say, at a future stage. Oh, yeah, it's a very quick, short survey as well. So, I mean, and, uh, yeah, all feedback helps us. And, you know, if you have any topics you want to hear, there's space for you to throw that in. So. And we've got good response on that. So. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on. On to our, our, the next part of our question is our rules-related question. Um, Alan has already um, given an answer, so Barry, over to you. You're leading 18-14. Yeah. Question this week is, while waiting to play to the putting green, a player dropped a ball on the fairway and struck it several times with his putter. This is practicing in breach of rule 7-2, true or false? 
I'm I'm ninety nine percent certain that it is in breach of the rule. So it's true. Okay, people are um, true. Yeah. I think I think that you can only practice in and around the T box. Okay. Um if you're if you're not causing undue delay. Yeah. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna go true on that. Okay. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. You're not gonna you're not gonna give me Alan's answer, are you? I will, I will. I give it to you for because we have a lot to get on, so I give it to you. Alan said true as well. Okay. So, so we're uh, both we're both winners or, or yeah. and or losers. Yes, exactly. yeah. And I'll give the answer at the end anyway on that. Okay, well, no doubt the highlight of the weekend um, was the PGA Championship. Best major, I think, in my lifetime. I tried to think back of some some other ones. And I thought Butch put it very well in the middle of the TV, right as it was on. He said, if you don't like this, you don't like golf. And I thought he got it bang on. Um, and what was even more impressive than the golf, I think, James, is probably fair to say, is that Rory McIlroy was extremely impressive, winning his fourth career major. Um, on, as I said, a fantastic evening for golf. Yeah, it, it, I, I have to say I agree 100% with you. I, I can't remember a major that I enjoyed from Thursday through Sunday. Like, every single day had something. <clears throat> and certainly Sunday, to me, was just phenomenal. I I don't think I moved out of the chair other than having to go for a toilet break. Um, but outside of that, <laughs> I didn't move. It was just phenomenal golf. Rory, we kind of said last week at 5-1, at, at you know, that... that they weren't great odds, you know, in terms of it. They look incredible odds right now. Yeah. Um, he just, he, we'll come on to the last nine and, and, and everything that he, he did over that, but I actually think the, 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 the beginning of it was in round one, and in the second part on the back nine, he went double bogey on the 10th and bogey on 11 to go from three under to level. And he ended up, I think, he, he birdied five out of the last seven holes to finish with 66. Mm. And that really set him up for the week. I think he could have wobbled a bit at that stage, coming onto the back nine and going from 300 to level. And he could have just had one of those weeks where he just, that could have been his really bad round. His, his Friday round could have been on the Thursday this year. And he just, he, he really grinded it out. And I just thought his driving was phenomenal. His iron play was phenomenal. The course helped him a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, it certainly did. Like the the weather probably played perfectly into his his arsenal of of, of benefit that he has. Hits the ball a mile, mm. and then ending up hitting those really high ball flighted iron shots in on a very soft green. He could just pepper the pin for most yeah, of the week. Yeah. Which you, look, I, I thought it was phenomenal. He's he's in the form of his life, um, and. Uh, deserved champion and a deserved winner I, I think Barry um, they always say every player talks about wanting to be in contention on the back nine of a major because that's when it comes alive and I think there was absolutely no doubt that this major came alive in the back nine uh, yeah, it uh, it really blew up. I mean, I, I, even before that, it kind of got it was exciting because there was little you know early stories like Ernie Els on his birdie run, and you know we, even though we didn't see much of them, you know Jimmy Walker was out there shooting sixty five, uh, Wisson shot sixty six, Schwartzel the same, Furyk the same. So there was you know there was kind of um, Steve Stricker. Stricker as well, yeah, good. Um, who, who might actually get a Ryder Cup pick? <laughs> Watson told him to bring his clubs to Scotland. Um, he's vice captain he's been picked as vice captain yeah, yeah I wonder could you play um, but look I mean the, the signs were there for you know this could be an absolute birdie fest and it, it turned out to be that way um, Mickelson went out to the turn in four under to share the lead Stenson went out in five under Fowler had four birdies in, the neck in five holes after a bogey to go out in four under and I think they, they needed all to do that 
Oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and as you say, Stenson, Fowler, Mickelson all delivered, and, yeah. they, and they brought it. To, they brought it. Brought it to its to its knees. So, so where they all stood after nine, after each player had completed nine holes, we had Stenson, Fowler, and Mickelson all tied on fourteen under. Rory was two shots back, and then Day, Els, and Viesberger were three were another two shots back. Two shots back. So, um, but really, it was a four horse race, though, wasn't it? Oh, it was at that stage, yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't see anybody going out and shooting six under on the back nine, especially under the pressure of the the major for Sunday. So, I mean, look, we all we all kind of know what happened in the end. Rory won, but there, there's a couple of things that I I noted, um, and the difference between Rory and the guys in the back nine was Rory was four under par for the back nine with no bogeys. Mickelson was one under, and Stenson and Fowler were level par. Yeah, and those three guys all had a bogey on the back nine, and that you just can't have that when it's so tight at the top, and um, it just kills your momentum. And you, you saw it was like a, it was like them each getting a sword in the gut when they had that bogey on the back nine. Um, yeah, sorry. Well, they, 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 they say that you know the likes of the bogeys are such momentum killers, and I think that really took the the, the train tracks under them. You know that it just. They had every opportunity. What I loved about this tournament compared to the other majors was that this is the first one this year that actually came down to the last night. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that like mm. we talked about the Masters was over before the back nine. Every one of the majors was pretty yeah. much over yeah. by the back nine. This was one where, as you say, four players were all in contention. Yeah. All top top players as well. Like we weren't we weren't talking about, you know, a, a guy who was just hanging on the coattails and hoping that the dream would stay alive. These were four players who have Majors between them, or real aspirations of majors yeah. like Ricky and Stenson, will will have majors in their bag. I'm sure over the course of their career, but it was a real dogfight. Yeah. But it was cracking. Watching. This was exciting. This wasn't just a back nine competition. This was a back eighteen competition in the final round because those guys started like steam trains, and McElroy was you know two three shots off the lead at a time. And and you know what I think was very difficult for McElroy is we kept seeing the over the over the shoulder camera shots. He had to watch. Mm. Um, Mickelson and Fowler ramping in between the two of them. You know, they ramped in eight birdies between the two of them. So he was watching all that, and that has to be very tough on him. Oh, but yeah. then going back to your, I think it was your point, James, that when they made the bogeys in the back nine, McElroy saw that, and while it was a killer to their momentum, I think it definitely helped McElroy. Well, I think that's a, to stand and watch that on the front nine where he he wasn't playing particularly great and he's watching all of these guys and not just as I say not guys who are kind of journeyman golfers like if you see Phil coming up behind you on the leaderboard Mm -hmm. Ricky Fowler who's been perennial top five this year Mm -hmm. in the majors and uh, Stenson you're looking over your shoulder thinking okay these are good players these aren't guys that I'll be able to shake off easily and I just thought the fact that he stood there and watched it and it was a comment that was made and I think I made it on the podcast quite a bit of time ago and it might have been around the, uh, the time that he won the BMW over in, in, in Europe after uh, the, the whole Wozniacki thing had occurred was that uh, Paul McGinley said about him about Rory that his mental game is so much stronger now and much more mature mm. than it was over the last number of years and I think it showed again this week that especially on the final day, you're watching the guys in front holding like some of, some of the par putts. I, I think the the par putt of Phil when he was off to the right on on one of the, on the par twi- fours, and he you know he was on the twelfth. I think it was. Yeah. It, it's a monster putt for a par, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think I think up on the thing it said like it was only about an eighteen percent chance of uh, you know making it, and he drains it right in the front door like that. You're, to sit there and watch that yeah. and still yeah. go and then stitch it, you know like that was the thing I found phenomenal about his game, and that's why I think. We may 
tentatively be saying that we have another you know, serious player that could dominate the game for the next while now that the mental side is there. I saw Rory saying that his goals are to become the best European golfer in the, that, that there's ever been. And uh, he's targeting your best friend, Nick Faldo's uh, major records, which he's obviously had six. Mm. And has Sevi had five, I think, isn't yeah. it? Five majors. So he's targeting those, which I think is actually a very reasonable major goal like you know even if you took a conservative he should that do that yeah. in two years you know it's a smart way for him to approach it as well rather than looking at tigers 14 or jacks 18 yeah. because yeah, exactly. it's you know to get two more majors is very attainable for him and then he can reevaluate his goals which is what he's saying and um, there was there was some real key moments for him on the day um the his first birdie on the seventh that was crucial to get that going um but where, where he did separate himself from the rest of them was, to me, was his greens and regulation on the back nine. Um, Phil missed three greens. Uh, Stenson missed three greens. Ricky missed two. Uh, Rory hit all nine greens on the back nine. And this this was absolutely unbelievable. I calculated his average distance to the hole for his approach shots, and it was 15.6 feet for all nine holes on his average on the back nine. So he was giving himself looks all the time at birdies yeah. and an eagle then obviously on the tent mm-hmm. so that that's where he separated himself from the from the rest of them um, which is reflected in his back nine scoring for the week he was 12 under for the back nine for the whole week well starting at the back nine and on the tent to me it was Harrington-esque you know just the second I saw that shot go in uh, what was it three wood yeah. three wood into into you know fairly makeable and obviously into seven it, foot yeah. into seven foot to me, it reminded me of the, the the shot Harrington did in the British Open to win it that year. The like five one and seventeen. Five mm. one and seventeen. It just, it was absolutely the perfect shot at the perfect time. It was the perfect I, result you know, at like, the perfect time. Yeah. I'd argue now. He come out. He's come out since and saying that he hit it thirty feet lower than he expected, to, and he hit it fifteen yards left. But I think you're right, Barry. It was the, it was the yeah. It was a perfect miss. perfect result. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he got it up the left hand side, and and it got running. And like I mean, he's obviously trying to get it on the green, but it, 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 I think it sure was one of the big turning turning moments. Oh, it was, that was that was it. Yeah, it really it kicked him on. He was three shots behind at that stage. Ricky just rolled in a twenty eight footer for birdie, mm. and uh, it, all of a sudden he's right back up behind them. And it was it was amazing. We all know how those perfect misses work out for us. You know, you hit a shot like you don't plan. And all of a sudden, you've got a 10-footer for birdie. You're like, oh, I'll take that. Yeah, I didn't know that last weekend. But um, the interesting thing, I thought, I didn't hear that comment by, by Rory afterwards. But f- maybe that then just kind of affirms my belief that maybe the name was written on the trophy beforehand. Absolutely. Because mm. you need that bit of luck. You know, I know that it was very close at one stage to kind of clipping the edge of the, the rough. And that would have been, you know, a good bit back. Yeah. But, like, sometimes you need lady luck on the oh, right. Gotcha. And, and yeah. you got it. And take nothing away even if he is not you know he still had to make the seven footer for the, the eagle which uh, was no mean feat from where it was but it was just it was phenomenal play throughout yeah. like if anybody hasn't seen this tournament go do whatever you can go download the entire torrent or feed or ha- get it however you can legally legally <laughs> and sit down and just watch it with several bowls of popcorn because you'll be just enthralled I, I can't I can't wait till next year where the, the sky end up what, playing the 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 last year's yes. tournament again yeah. on the on, oh, on yeah. the you know the video over the week uh, and all the rest yeah. and you can just you just know that you're going to sit there and go I don't care about any other one I'm yeah. sitting down to watch this one again I, I watched the two hour show again last night I mean it was just fun. Yeah. it was just so good um, in relation to Tiger's performance a uh, regular or sorry Rory's performance that regular listeners will know that uh, I love the new um, stats that Mark Brody has come up with on PJ Tour. 
and what he does is he calculates the amount of strokes that each player was better than the rest of the field. So just to give you a flavour, Rory was on average 4.1 shots better than the rest of the field. And it's per round, isn't it? Per round, yeah. yeah. And so he was, uh, his between his driving and his approach shots, he was 2.8 shots per round better than the field. So he won it through his long game. Mm. But actually, if you go to PGATour.com's uh, stats um, website, I actually asked Mark Brody how Rory's stats compared to Tiger, and he actually put up the stats there, so you can actually see it on the website. But Rory was two shots per round better than Tiger on driving. He was two and a half shots better per round on approach shots, which are shots outside 100 yards. Interestingly, Tiger was better, 0.7 of a shot better per round inside 100 yards, um, but Rory was two and a half shots better per round um, in putting. So it just shows you how much of a class Rory is above uh, Tiger and how, much, how many problems Tiger has at the moment. Well, yeah, Tiger of 2014, not necessarily Tiger of 2006. Yeah, but yeah. no, I, 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 what I was impressed with is, and I think it backs up what Barry's saying about the uh, the nine greens in regulation on the back nine on the mm. last day, you know, two and a half strokes better on the approach shots outside of 100 yards. He was getting on the green all the time. He didn't need to worry about it. I'm not surprised Tiger was better than him on inside 100 yards because I'm not sure how often uh, Rory Rory was actually playing from inside 100 (laughs) yards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but I think, look, I think last week we talked about the fact that Rory uh, has been saying that he put on six pounds of muscle in the last eight weeks, um, you know, which has helped him add distance to, to his game and again his driving was phenomenal again this week like I think he was every time the stack came up on each hole they were like oh and, and Rory has again this is the longest drive of this the day of this, or of this day or by 15 yeah. yards or was, something like it that it wasn't even short distances yeah. at times so, so one I think he was like 315 and the nearest was like 297 yeah. and it was yeah. like it's 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 a phenom- and that was soft ground as well yeah. like, he, he it's, averaged it's a carry of that length as he well. averaged 315.6 yards for the week and like you said he, that ball is literally landing and stopping dead yeah. that's yeah. not going anywhere so it's pretty much carry oh it's yeah. absolutely it's phenomenal um, in other things that caught my eye uh, in the event, I, I mentioned this a lot on, on the podcast, that I'm a huge fan of Butch, and I thought he was particularly fantastic uh, this week. He sat down where well, he, he was at the Sky, what's it, Sky Cart? Is that Sky Cart, yeah. Sky Cart. Th- this is brilliant, I love that to yeah. you. Yeah, it's, 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 it is a great addition. I might explain that to the listeners who doesn't don't have Sky. Sorry, yeah, they're like a, yeah. a small little... Trolley truck with a large touchscreen TV, yeah. so that the, and the, comment, the commentator, the interviewer will stand to one side, and a player or Butch Armour will stand to the other, and they can, you know, use the touchscreen to illustrate things. Yeah, and Butch was there, and he showed Fowler on the range, and showed him what he was working on, and and went through the changes that he's trying to get him, and the problems. He actually highlighted the problem that Fowler has in his in his game, and I'm not very technical, but I think when he's swinging back, the club gets sometimes too far behind him. And that is actually the exact shot that he hit on the par three. The one 14, we went way I right think it was. 14, yeah. Uh, so that was very interesting. And then he talked about Mickelson as well and the things that Mickelson's working on. But the one thing that I thought was very interesting, he did a piece on Rory's putting stroke. And he says that Dave Stockton always teaches to put, which is kind of similar to what Stricker does, is put your left, as you're putting towards the hole, your left hand follows through straight to the hole. And Rory's been working on that all year. And Butch actually said that he stopped doing that before the Open Championship. And he now, instead of going out to the hole, he releases a bit to the left. Mm. As if you're almost kind of hitting a draw. 
and Butcher saying this is actually giving Rory a much better stroke and he's actually rolling the ball they showed a few examples the ball rolls better yeah, because rolls of it a lot yeah. better and he starts off in much better lines and he gets much more straight now I know Rory also talked that he found an alignment issue in uh, at the Masters as well that he, he was misaligned but I just thought Butch was brilliant and he's definitely my favourite analyst slash pundit or on Sky and the Sky team anyway yeah I think of all yeah, I, think I, all I, I think he's just getting better and better at it uh, he just seems to be becoming more and more comfortable and I mean, he just seemed, he seemed really sharp this week. Yeah. Uh, his commentary was just phenomenal. Um, I mean, I don't know, not to take anything away from Butch, maybe he stands out even more because they have the, the other end of the scale, they have Mark Rowe dragging the whole thing back down. I mean, could, could you put a man with a more boring voice on for the final couple of holes of the tournament? Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe your man Father Stone out of Father Ted might <laughs> rival him, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, Butch and McGinley again, awesome, awesome commentators. It, it, the thing about Butch is he's so knowledgeable. Like he, he's just, and he can simplify some of the most extremely complicated things yeah. down to the average person. Yeah. Like I don't understand inside the swing, outside the plane. I this, uh, you know, it, that's not the way I play golf or I've ever learned golf. I just have been taught how to swing and mm. where you go. But to to take very complicated bits and to be able to simplify it for the listeners. I just thought it was it's a great gift that he has and it's it's a yeah. phenomenal achievement. But I, I have to say, going back to the tournament itself, I was a little annoyed that Phil didn't see it through, only because I had betted on him uh, over the course of the week. And last week I had said on yeah. the podcast I was hoping that I get yes. two out of two on this. Yeah, hey. God, you got because, close. Uh, like he he said last week that he, if he had dialed in the numbers on the Sunday mm. at the uh, WGC, if he could bring it, and he brought it and brought it big time. And uh, he's going to be if he plays like that from now to the Ryder Cup, it's going to be some tournament. He was two or three inches away from a playoff total as well. Was chip shot on eighteen, oh. so I mean, small margins. Um, in terms of the. 18th, for people, uh, I suppose people wouldn't be listening if they didn't watch it, but they, when they finished, they were coming up 18 just on the off chance someone didn't see, and Phil and Rory, or Phil and Fowler te- teed off, and Rory was right there. There was very little light left, and, and I was going to say Robbie Fowler. Ricky <laughs> Fowler asked, um, do, you, do you guys want to tee up and play, and play up? And they teed up, uh, Rory obviously hit up, and then... They actually played their second shots, uh, Wiesberger and McElroy, and Mickelson was notably annoyed at this afterwards when they went off the green. With the second shot? The second shot, yeah. they weren't expecting to play that. Mm. But um, it was all a bit farcical, I thought. A kind of poor way to finish what was a great tournament. I didn't like it. And we were we were chatting on the Viber thread at the time, and I was fairly animated that I thought it was wrong. And if I was Phil, I would have been pretty pretty annoyed uh, even at the teeing off bit blame the PAGA for not having the times right or whatever or the delays but sorry he's out there to win a major Mm. and there's an advantage that he may be able to get which is that he can hit his drive walk up hit his second and then they drive off you know, and if that's another five minutes and there's a little less light, then then so be it. That's that's just the way it is. Yeah, if McElroy doesn't like it, he can just call time and say, I want to come back and play tomorrow. Yeah. That's it. And and I think that, you know, I think it was you, Bob, that said said sent a message to me saying, oh, uh, the PGA have said that it was uh, that it was Phil's suggestion that this mm. was to happen. And I, I sent a message back to you saying there's no way Phil said yeah. that because mm-hmm. you could see him walking down the hill and the caddy bones in him going, what, what, well, why, if, if they're going to tee off, we'll just stand here. Yeah. You know, they did, they knew nothing about it. Yeah. yeah. To me, 
you know, okay, maybe on sporting, and it may not be the, the in, in in the way of the game and all the rest. But this is the last hole of a major. You have to hope that the player does something that that takes a bogey, or you you can go mm-hmm. and get your eagle. And if that meant that you you ice him and you let, leave Rory standing on the tee for a few more minutes, then so be it. But I really don't agree with the fact that they were playing in. They might as well played a four ball in on the last hole yeah. because, yeah. like, Phil knew. Like sorry, Rory knew exactly what was happening, mm-hmm. but was right up and close. And yeah. I, I think that he got to, he got to apply I, pressure to them by being there right beside them. He got to hit a shot sooner than he should have. It was it was a bit messy. Look, it's all the more memorable for it. Nobody seems to have any hard feelings over it. Phil said it wasn't a big deal either way, even though it was a little bit yeah, sloppy. He is American nice guy. Like oh, look, he, he, ha- to he has to say that, of course. So um, look, sure, it is what it is. It happens. We we commend us. Uh, the guys in the RNA for going with the two tees policy um, on the Saturday. On the Saturday, yeah. The PGA should have moved the tee times up. Oh God, yeah. I mean, look, they said this was an unexpected shower, but come on. I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. They have Doppler radar to find to look at these rain showers coming from miles away. The, the they three, knew the three of us can use an app to identify what the weather is going to be like yeah. today. This is, I mean, they should have seen the weather forecast and should have brought it forward. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the RNA did it at the Open, you know, and, 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 point, yeah. you know, and, and, and you know, nobody really complained about it. We actually thought that it was a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's it went against tradition, yeah. you know. I mean, look, this is, it's all the TV power, you know. The TV want the golf on as late as possible. But they, the P, these PJ Tour tournaments always seem to be playing chicken with the sunset, you know, and what, you know, yeah. and... Look, it's messy. Maybe someday, some like some TV company will or will, will pay to have floodlights on the last few holes for a gimmick. Some some tournament, you know, who knows? Well, I think if, I think that's a bad idea. Yeah, I think if this was if this was a bit of a joke, I think it would floodlights. Yeah, would be a bit like the legend of Bagger Vance, where they get the cars all pulled up around the green so the lads can finish the tournament. The only thing about it is, is that it'll always be very memorable though for the fact they finished in the dark. And we'll yeah. be talking about this in five years' time. I remember that PGA. So I, I, while it was a bit of a farce, it kind of it might be something we actually look. Back quite fondly and say, but geez, that was it was a very dramatic finish. Yeah, very dramatic I think it's finish. just the cherry on the cake of an amazing tournament. Yeah, for, yeah. from 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 a memory point of view, anyway. Yeah, and I, as we said at the start, I think it's without a doubt uh, is it's the best major that we've had in a long, long time. Now, I, I mean, I must say, I did really enjoy the Open. I know we mentioned this, James, that it wasn't tight. It was tightish, but Rory was always going to win mm, that one. Mm. Whereas with nine holes to go, we had no clue who was going to win this. There was five players tied at 12 under at one stage. Yeah. It, it was it was just phenomenal. Very good. Well, um, that wraps up our review for the PGA Championship. And um, I, I hope you'll all agree that you all, all enjoyed it. Um, if you did, maybe get in contact with us. Let us know what you thought. And we'll, we'll maybe mention them, give them a mention next week. Our main topic that we're going to discuss this week, we try and kind of discuss something that's quite topical every week, uh, particularly in the world of golf, just to have something a bit different to talk about. And this week we're going to talk about <clears throat> the PGA Tour drug policy. And this was actually quite topical. There was an article in our local paper here in the Irish Times yesterday. They came out and they were quite critical of the PGA Tour's drug policy, um, or they, as they refer to the anti-doping policy, and the key thing was, uh, I mean, the, we'll come to it, but the policy that is in place has actually been approved by WADA, but um, the key thing that they were quite critical was of Dustin Johnson, that who has been, we, we talked about it last week, has been suspended from the PGA Tour 
Well, but, not officially. Yes, exactly. But not officially. He he has taken a leave of absence for six months. And since then, there's an article that has come out by Sports Illustrated saying that he's been banned for six months or he's been told to take an absence. So we thought it'd be quite interesting this week to have a look and exactly what exactly is involved in the policy. And first of all, James, I thought that there was drug testing in golf for a long, long time. But it's actually only rel- relatively recently that they brought it in. Yeah, I, I, I had the same opinion as you. I, I kind of assumed that drug testing in, in golf had been around well through the 90s and into the 2000s. Um, I suppose especially back where you think in the in the 90s, drug testing in other sports was such a, a huge uh, area of discussion, cycling and, and, and baseball and all of these sports. I was amazed that it actually only came in on the 1st of July 2008. Mm. Um, like, that, that is not that long ago in the grander scheme of things. Um, I see that it was obviously a, a significant sea change that they had in terms of the attitude because back in March of 2006, the PGA Tour Commissioner at the time was basically, you know, saying, not a chance, no need, no, yeah. no, no reason for getting into this whole drug testing. And, Obviously, there was enough pressure put on. Perhaps it may have been about you know the the Olympics and getting it into the Olympics and needing to have this as a pre prerequisite to being able to have it even considered to be put in for an Olympic sport. But obviously, there was a change. I think the LPGA were actually the first who really took it on and kind of said, "Well, if the lads aren't going to do it, we're going to do it," mm-hmm. um, which was interesting that they were the leaders in it. Mm. But I would question personally whether or not it is actually in or is it just there as a policy that they can point to but well let's come to that that's our last point we'll we'll discuss how effective it is but um just in terms of when exactly did it come into effect uh, it, it it formally came into effect on July the 1st 2008 and um, that was the the beginning the formal beginning at the AT&T national championship mm. in i think it was a european tour event was the very first time that uh that drug testing had come in for the PGA and the European Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, the European Tour, I should say, basically copy and pasted what the, the PGA guys were doing. Yeah. So when we talk about the PGA, we're also talking about European Tour golf yeah. as well. Yeah. I don't think there's any policy change between the mm-hmm. two, and it came in at the same time. And just to recap on the policy, so the, the policy that was in, as I mentioned there, they refer to the anti-doping program. And what they're... What they basically brought brought in this, and they developed it in cooperation with with the major world golf, golf organizations. Um, all P, according to the PGA Tours um, program, all PGA Tour and Web.com member tour members are bound by the program, and any player who participates in a PGA Tour or Web.com tour, which kind of brings in the European tour players yeah, like your Westwood yeah. and your Donalds, um, they're also that we, any they're also bound by this program, and the. Really, the, the purpose of this was to try and... Um, I have this. Yeah, to, to protect the integrity that is inherent in the sport of golf and to ensure the health and safety of all players. And that's uh, straight out of their, the guide or the, the 36-page PGA Tour manual or however long it was mm. on the drug taking. Um, since the use of doping substances is contrary to the spirit of fair competition that has always been a part of golf. Mm-hmm. So... What what kind of competition was there before this came in in two thousand eight or fair competition? We we don't know. We'll, we'll kind of we'll, we'll rifle through that now as we go through the discussion. Well, Gary Gary Player back in two thousand and seven reckoned that it was absolutely right within the game all the way back to where he was playing. That really? Had, yeah, that was his 
and that it was really the, the start of the conversation around kind of 2006, 2007, you know, was very much, is it a problem? And the PGA were saying, no, it's not a problem. There's no need necessary to, to worry too much about it. But at the same time, they're basically saying, you know, the players, you know, and ex-players, I suppose, like Gary, who are off the tour, who can probably say these things more freely than players who are currently on the tour with sponsorship issues and all the rest, are able to say, look, this is going on. This this has been going on. But I think there's been a naivety or a belief that you just, there is no way you can performance enhance in golf. And, and that's why it was, it was done. And in terms of then, if people are... Um, bold, yeah, yeah, they're bold, and they get caught, and they're if they're if they obviously submit a sample and shows that they have a a, a banned substance. What are the sanctions, Barry? So the sanctions may include disqualification, forfeiture of prize money or points, and other awards, ineligibility for tournaments and fines. I think I saw somewhere they for could be up fined to a year up, for up to a year as if the ineligibility. I also saw they could be fined up to a half a million dollars. Now. But that's nothing in this day and age for these guys. Like, well, for some of them, that's yeah. for some. It depends. You know? Like the lower end, yeah, obviously. But like, um, but if you watched Rory win last week, a million quid for. What do you think about Peter Laurie Only made two hundred and twenty-five thousand euro. D- this one's really. This point is really interesting, actually, just to extend on what I was saying there. The sanctions for drugs of abuse, as defined in section three, which is. Um, no, performance rec- yeah, recreational, recreational drugs, yeah, let's call yeah. them, may include rehabilitation or medical treatment in lieu of or in addition to other sanctions. So this seems to what be what Dustin Johnson has <laughs> been, ha- well, has been uh, inverted commas given by the PGA Tour or suggested, strongly suggested to go do. Well, the interesting point about the sanctions, and just to split them for a second and go back to the performance enhancing rather than the, mm. the recreational uh, drug abuse is that there was a comment made by a, an anonymous PGA player who said that no golfer will take this seriously until there is a real sanction put in place, which is that you lose your tour card, and that if you don't lose your tour card, then they are willing to take the risk, because you will get a fine, you'll get this, you'll get that, sure, but you'll, yeah. still, you'll still retain, and that until the sanctions are actually stronger than what's in the, the document, that actually some players will take the risk because it may not be the biggest problem that they'll face. Well, the sanctions are there. It's just they haven't been slapped on anybody yet. Well, I mean, and even in the public perception, Dustin Johnson hasn't been sanctioned per the, per this guide or these regulations. Well, there actually have been some people who have been sanctioned. And I think we have there's oh, yeah. three people in particular. The first one actually was Doug Barron, mm-hmm. who was he, he was suspended for a year. I think that's right. Barron. He took a bit of testosterone and a beta blocker. Yeah, well, um, a bit of, he took testosterone and beta blockers to uh, b- well build himself up and then calm the nerves as well. And he was suspended for a year. Yeah, and then there was VJ as well. VJ never really got banned though. This this kind of went a bit weird. This whole case did. Yeah, it it was a drugs case, which kind of seems to backfire in the PGA Tour. Is this the antler spray? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is deer antler spray, and um, basically it has this insulin-like growth factor, and Mm. it's a natural anabolic hormone that stimulates muscle growth. So VJ was taking this. He said, "Oh, I didn't know there was anything bad in the, or anything against the drug policy within this deer antler spray." And um, you know, there was back and forth between him and the PGA. 
the uh, he actually admitted it in an interview with Sports Illustrated, and within the policy, they actually say that if you admit it in public, mm. that is straight away you are you don't need to be tested. You, you violated the yeah. rule. Mm. Now, the deer antler spray actually is list was listed as a banned substance under the PGA Tour's listed our list yeah. of prohibited substances and methods. So the minute he said that. He was open to suspension, and that's what the PGA Tour came back. Mm. But I think BJ came back and argued something then, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, ultimately it ended up in WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Association. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, Determined the spray wasn't potent enough to warrant banned status. They then delisted it, and yeah. subsequently the tour dropped its investigation into Singh. Mm. And after that, VJ then got a bit of a bean as bonnet about this, you know, them attacking him or attacking him, and he decided to try sue them. Yeah. So, um, look, he, it's, it's he, all just back and forth. Well, he was suing them because he reckons he was mistreated, mis- unfairly treated yeah. in the public eye, that he was labelled a cheat, labelled, you know, a druggie in the eyes of the public, which, in fairness... When we, think, when we think he was we, a cheat according to their rules well at, yeah, and that's yeah. The, at the time yeah. he was and in fairness whenever we talk about PGA drugs or talking about uh, golfer using drugs well now it's Dustin Johnson but it would have been BJ before so he's right to say that his his um, name has been or his reputation has been tarnished ah uh, yeah well I mean look the other, there's another person that used it as well Mark Kalkovecchia used it also and he was actually on the website of this deer antler spray company going like oh I sp- yeah. you know I spray myself in deer antler juice all day long <laughs> but maybe maybe he didn't quite say it like that but yeah. He like his name is never dragged up in this case at all, and well, I mean, he got he got, he got to take his name down off their website promoting it, and you and know, he could just, always argue I never used it; I was just promoting it. That could be his legal defense; it needs to be, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legally, you know, I know it's... It, it, like, it, it's a bit like Pele with the Viagra. Yeah. I, if, if I needed it, I would use Viagra. <laughs> but clearly I don't. <laughs> um, and Dustin Johnson, obviously Sports Illustrated, wrote that he... We mentioned this last week. So he was tested in 2009. He was tested positive for marijuana. 2012, cocaine the first time. And this is his third offence. And he's got a six-month ban. But the way the PGA Tour have dealt with this is they said, listen, take a leave of absence and we won't, we won't make, mention anything. And I think VJ's point is that, well, hold on, there's different treatments of different players mm. going on. And I think this probably leads... I have two questions, actually. And the first one, James, really is... And I think you were trying to touch on it there, is do the drugs, any sort of drug, recreation or not, enhance performance for the players on, in playing golf? Well... I, I spend a lot of time trying to find any scientific proof one way or the other in relation to whether they do or they don't, and, and, and there's no definitive answer in relation to it. Um, there's a lot of thought out there that you know steroids and bulking up in terms of you know sheer muscle mass and all the rest really mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily enhance um, your golfing abilities. And it might actually then... Um Reduce your touch around the greens and your touch, exactly your putting yeah. touch. So there's also imbalance your body. Yeah, you yeah. Know. and and that's definitely one of the, the 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 schools of thought. And I think that's probably where the school of thought within the PGA back in kind of 2008, you know, and pre that was look, point us to a drug that can actually enhance a golfer. Yeah, and and we'll we'll ban it. But until you do, there's not a problem here. The the, the question is really then in terms of the non steroid type drugs that you know are building up muscle or building up athletic performance moreover being able to build up stamina where they're playing five hour rounds where they're able to continue to continue to be 
very much focused on the round at the end, mm. their, their muscles aren't sore, things like that. Or, as I think the point you were making earlier, Barry, the better blockers, where they're, they're yeah. shutting out what's going on in the, in the crowd and they, they go on zen on the golf course. Yeah, kind of nerve commerce. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably more the, the, the performance enhancer. If, you, if you're a good golfer, and I think we all can probably relate to this analogy to a certain extent, we can go to the driving range and hit balls, you know, 150 yards down the fairway and you know, down the driving range and be really happy. But when you step it up on the first tee in your captain's prize and you take a five on the first hole, it's a, there's a different there's a different suggestion there, you know. So if you can take your calmness from the driving range onto the mm, course, mm. then clearly you're going to be a better golfer. That's performance yeah. enhancing. And the second question I had, Barry, really was: Is this policy delivering? Um, and I said the pur- we mentioned the purpose of it is: Is it protecting the integrity inherent in the sport of golf? Does this policy deliver on that? Do you think? I don't think so, no. Oh, I think the policy itself was actually not uh, not too bad on the face of it. It could do it a tweak or two here and there, but what policy uh, couldn't? I think it's the implementation of it. I mean, it's it, they seem to make very little... Um, the PJ Tour seem to care very little about how much publicity is attached to how many players they test on a, on a weekly or monthly basis or during the summer or whatever. Um, they don't seem intent on publicising when a player gets suspended. You know, it's all kind of brushed under the, the carpet. They don't. They don't seem to want the wider media to kind of latch on to the fact that there might be a drug problem in golf or a, a rampant drug problem in golf, as is claimed by you know Gary Player and some other older players, has happened for years. The, the key, I, I don't believe this is is working at all. Mm. I think this is put up to either for the Olympic Committee or for the general for WADA or for whatever reason it's put up there. Clearly, there is a drug problem, in my belief, within golf, whether it's performance-enhancing or recreational. And the big issue I have with this policy is the section in relation to the recreational drugs, where it basically says, as Barry has read out already, if you go and do X, Y, and Z, we will not disclose that you have Mm. breached this policy for recreational drugs. We will only have to give your name to the public if you are using performance-enhancing drugs. So they can do recreational drugs as much as they want. And this is the bit that I don't understand by the PGA. I would have thought they would be banging their chest in pride right now to say, look, we'd want a clean sport, mm-hmm. whether it be recreational or performance-enhancing. We are testing you know, 75% of the field yeah. every week, mm-hmm. you know, or we're doing 10% or 15% every round from the Wednesday they arrive to yeah. the Sunday. We're also doing out of our uh, testing where we're turning up to a guy's house in the off season and saying, Rory, give me this or give me that. Disturbing Tiger's parties with all, the, all his ladies in Vegas going, hold on, we need to do a quick yeah, testing here. But, but, but <laughs> you know, we, we, we look back and we, we look back at, like, I suppose, Lance Armstrong and we look back at cycling and that is what was happening, you know, whether it be swimming or whether it be whatever mm-hmm. sport. These guys were being knocked on the door at any time of the day or night. I don't know how many, like they're talking, uh, Justin Rose said, uh, I think it was before the Turkish Open, either last year or the year before, he had never been tested on the European Tour. We had then Tiger coming out saying he'd been tested five times in the space of 12 months. Hmm. That's not good enough, in my opinion, where there was, I think at one stage, Lance Armstrong was tested five times in a week, yeah. you know, and, and there was times he was tested three times in one day. So yeah. is the policy working? It's there, but I don't think that it's actually being implemented. And having a policy but not actually having tests being taken place is is, is wrong. I think the amazing thing is that so many other sports, and you're pretty much 
pick any sport from A to Z, seem so proud about you know the fact that they're trying their absolute best to stamp out drugs and you know say we've a clean sport. You know, see cycling, football, basketball, American football, anything. You know, baseball being the big baseball one as well. Yeah, they, those guys were just uh, taking steroids like they were skittles. You know, back at one stage. <laughs> um, but allegedly. The, the, the allegedly, well, yeah, oh, yeah, was no, there was no a few proven, so, yeah, 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 and home, yeah. But the PGA Tour seemed quite content to just kind of, you know, just let it slide. You know, if they, they, it's almost like they're burying their head in the sand or, or willfully just saying, look, whatever. You know, if we don't, if we don't, if we don't come out and make a statement on it, then it doesn't really exist or it doesn't harm their brand or whatever. And by actually doing that, they, they look like fools. You know, but take the Dustin Johnson for, for for thirty seconds. The Dustin Johnson situation. He's ended up you know, going on a six months leave of absence or whatever the hell they want to call it. Mm. Why not come out and say, yeah, look, this guy, he's he's made a few mistakes in his life. He's gotten done for the drugs because of our rigorous testing. We, we caught him out. Mm. And because of that, we have said to him, you have to go for treatment. And he's off to the Betty Ford Clinic. He's going to come back. Like we all look at John Daly and all the problems he had with drink. And we look at him now and say, well, at least they some supported him throughout it and continue to support him. Dustin Johnson needs help. And there's other players out there that might need help as well in relation to it. But be proud of the PGA standing by their players and saying, look, we, we, we found the problem, we're yeah. getting him help, and we're proud that our drug policy works, which is the most important, because we so- talked about it last week, about players and the way they behave on the course and off the course, their role models. And I think they should be proud of the fact that Dustin Johnson you know, is going to go get help and that people can see, look, mm. taking drugs at any level is not going to be... Of I, interest. I think you back to the thing, the point you made at the very start. I think they're only half arse in the policy because they just don't see drugs relevant to golf. It doesn't. It doesn't make any much difference. But then again, it does threaten the reputation and the image of the PGA Tour and the European Tour. And I think this is this is why I think WADA came out because Barry, you mentioned off air that this actually do, anti-doping policy the PGA Tour have in place is actually approved by WADA, but. I think the reason they've come out and gone, well, listen, you have the policy, but you're not implementing it very well, and you're definitely not implementing it to the standards that we would expect for the Olympics. And I think that's where it will change um, between now and 2016. I think we will have to see a change. But I also think it will change because sponsors will make a change. You know, this whole this whole business is about money, and mm. it's about putting up, you know, multi-million pound prize funds for, for the players to turn up and all the rest. And if... If sponsors start walking away, like you saw with Tiger back when he had his problems and they, they fled a mile, you know, they'll start fleeing a mile if they think that drugs is becoming a problem, as it's occurred in cycling. And Maybe that's why the PGA Tour just keep it quiet as much as possible. Yeah, could yeah, that, that, that could be it. Okay, well, listen, that was very good. Um, as always, we'd love to hear any of your opinions um, out there when you're listening to this. Our email is at goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com, as I mentioned, and we're on Twitter at, at podcastgts. We'd love to hear your thoughts what do you think do you think the PGA Tour's policy on drugs is good do you think that drugs are rife in the PGA Tour uh, so let us know um, okay looking ahead to next weekend guys we have a couple of uh, less events and I think I mentioned this off air I, I always find the week after a major it's kind of hard to get focused but they're actually kind of interesting enough events starting with the PGA Tour Barry we have the Wyndham Championship um, this this is good. this is actually exciting in a way, um, or, or sorry, as exciting as you can get after the week of a major. It's like a hangover for a golf tournament. But this is the last chance for guys to keep their tour card for next year. 
mm-hmm. um, the top 125, and they'll also get into the first event of the FedEx Cup. So, um, so is this truly Glory's last chance? This <laughs> is, yeah. This is this is the new Glory's last chance. I, they, they did it. They tried to avoid that phrase an awful lot last week. Um, they're, they're not allowed to use it because yeah. of the FedEx Cup. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, this is Glory's last chance, you know. You know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's not really. FedEx, George, yeah. FedEx don't want them saying, "Well, the end of the season is the yeah. USPGA," which in fairness it's not now, and it has now moved on. But it's a decent field, uh, decent dish. It's handy enough field, yeah. So this, this is the seventy-five edition, seventy-fifth edition of this tournament. Um, it's on a nice uh, Donald Ross course. He also designed Pinehurst Number Two, um, Oak Hill, Oakland Hills. So um, you know, it's a good enough test, par seventy, and we have a few guys coming out of the US Open to try. Get a win. Um, Snedeker, Simpson, and Matsuyama are the headliners. Um, followed up with Reed, Ells, Clark, Bill Haas, and uh, a lot of your PGA Tour regulars and a load of last chance salooners. You know, hoping to uh, to grab grab their tour card for next year and have a, a guaranteed job. So uh, it'll be a, a nice enough golf course to watch. You know, to kind of take take care of your golfing hangover from the USPGA. Yeah, and for me now, I must say, I, I I actually think my golfing hangover might be cured, especially on the weekend. By watching the, our captain's prize, Should yeah, come out I'll be watching the yeah. live leaderboard. <laughs> not um, no, actually, the Made in Denmark event is on, uh, which is the new event to the calendar. Um, I, I, I I don't know whether I'm just just tuned more pro European, but I actually really enjoy the European tour events, and this actually might be. It's a new addition. It might be interesting. This one will actually appeal to you. I did a little bit looking around on the golf course website uh, today, and it, look, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the Monty course in Carton House. Yep. So, um, this is the first time a tournament's been back in Denmark on the European tour, uh, the high level tournaments in eleven years. So, um, I mean, obviously, it's it's come about because of Thomas Bjorn, Soren Kelsen, Anders Hansen, you know, some and. Orbion Orlison, so there are a lot of successful golfers coming out of Denmark, and you know the the Danish somebody in Denmark has put enough money up to get this event back on the calendar. It's good to see. So they've actually here fun uh, fact they've sold out all fifteen thousand of their week passes. Mm. So they're expecting pretty big crowds here. I mean, over seventy thousand people for the week, which is a really good turnout for the first edition of an yeah. event. Basically, it's the first time it's being held. And they've got their local golfers playing, as you mentioned. So that that would be great. They do, yeah. It looks like a tough course. It's got a slope rating of one forty two, so uh, could, could be could be tough to play. You know, it's right up in the north of Denmark, so it'd be a lot of wind and a bit of rain to deal with. What's the max in that slope rating again? I know we one fifty five. I think very, it is. Very difficult, yeah. It's right at the top of Denmark. They won't have a light problem on Sunday. No. Not at all. No, no. They they can play whenever they want. The PJ Tour would love that. <laughs> Very good, James. Um, so yeah, look. Maybe look for if anyone's looking for the betting. Look for players who can kind of keep the ball and play off the tee and and, and hit the ball pretty well in the wind because there's there's going to be a bit of wind to deal with up there. Has, have you guys had a look at it yet? Anyone catching your eyes? I did have a look. And um, Mark Warren caught my eye. He finished fifteenth last week, and um, you know the, he's from Scotland, so he's going. He obviously, he's used to playing in the wind. So you know, hopefully, he isn't too jet lagged and could uh, could you know put in a nice show. I um, I think I might have a small bet on a very good friend of the show, Chris Wood. For people who haven't listened, we did about five and a half minute interview with him at the Arctic Oh, the pants splitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that so didn't happen during the interview, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, it didn't. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was probably a, it was probably a lot worse, though. It happened in the first round of the PGA, was it? First? Yeah, yeah, the uh, first round. Yeah, he went down to to Marcus Putt or whatever, and he split his pants right down yeah, the crack, yeah. and then he ended Who's up. Who's he sponsored by? Um, Can I we name and shame? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, if anyone wants to send us in pants to test, it'll withstand. Um, loads Here of golf. We'll take three pants. 
Yeah, I think I might have a little look at Chris Wood. Um, he played very well again the PGA, so I might have a little bet on him. I just looking at the, the odds. I was going to go Nicholas Cosart in in Denmark, but uh, a good friend of the the Twitter feed, uh, Robert Carlson, uh, might be an interesting one out in the US, uh, who I think is down at fifty to one. Oh yeah, um, I mean, who, uh, who played pretty well last week and has been, yeah. been there thereabouts over the last. Maybe his game so. just isn't quite major ready yet on his comeback trail, but he's been showing some really good uh, form in the golf. Yeah, I'll put some of my little each way winnings from Excellent. last week. Go for it, nice. Cool, well that's a bit of, bit of golf to look forward to. So listen, we're more or less wrapped up for this week. The one last thing is the rules of Reddit question. So I asked, while waiting to play to the putting green, a player dropped the ball in the fairway and struck several times with his putter. This is practicing in breach of rules 7-2. The answer both of you said was true and mm-hmm. you're both correct. And I think you touched on it, Barry. I think you're only able to practice on a previous hole or you're able to practice in or around the tee boxes. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. the current hole, but you're actually not able to practice on the on yeah. a hole that you're playing. So I think it's as long as you're not causing any delay as well. Of course, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. yeah so but don't don't use an alignment stick or a training aid. Do you remember um, what's... Um, Jeff Overton. Jeff Overton did that and got a two-shot penalty. Yeah. He used an alignment stick training aid, and you're not allowed to use one of those in the course. Very good. Okay, well, listen, that wraps us up for this week. Um um, we'll talk to you all next week so just leave me to say goodbye thank you for listening and we'll talk to you all next week bye bye yeah. well goodbye bye bye